At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VCN, the sports betting network. You always hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N. A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. My thanks to Jason Weingarten for joining me. Talk a little Major League Baseball. We'll continue the baseball conversation coming up at the bottom, at the, at the end of the hour. Uh, we'll be joined by Peter um, Apple, who uh, justbb.com. There's a lot of things, uh, good stuff there. We'll talk to Peter about all things Major League Baseball. Coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, though, we got a football roundtable. Mackenzie Kramer from uh, ESPN's Daily Wager uh, does a great job as their stats and info researcher. And Albert Nguyen, who you follow on Twitter at Analytics Capper, will join us on the program. We'll do a little football roundtable coming up as uh, there's a lot of football to get to. And, you know, I saw a bunch of odds out there. Let's see if I can pull up some here. Uh, Full disclosure, these are not available to wager on. but there, there were some bets that were placed, or not bets, bets that you can make at some offshore books uh, in regards to the starting quarterback for certain teams. And we talked about this briefly with our guests uh, in the past couple of days, but the battle right now for Pittsburgh, Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, you have Mitchell Trubisky as the favorite to win that job, actually the overwhelming favorite, to win that job. Geno Smith in Seattle is a heavy favorite to win that job over Drew Locke. And then Baker Mayfield, a heavy favorite to win that job in Carolina over Sam Darnold. Here's my thoughts on all of those quarterback situations. Carolina is the easiest to figure out because you traded for Baker Mayfield, he's going to be the starter. They tried to replace Sam Darnold multiple times. They finally got a replacement for him. That's the guy that's going to play. I, I just don't see how you make a trade for Baker Mayfield and then say that Sam Darnold has a chance to start. Now, maybe you want to let... Sam down easy or you want to give him every opportunity to try and maybe push Baker and and get the most out of Baker Mayfield and okay Baker got the start in the preseason four of seven uh Sam Darnold went two of three he threw a touchdown but both those guys didn't play much it was PJ Walker who played the game I don't know what we're gonna see 
for the remainder of the preseason. But here's what I can tell you. I would be shocked if Baker Mayfield is not the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in week one against the Cleveland Browns. Now let's take a look at Seattle. Seattle has Geno Smith as the incumbent. He's been there. He was Russell Wilson's backup. He knows the team. He knows the system. And as it stands right now, he would presumably be the guy. They just traded for J.J. uh, Ortega-Whiteside. So another weapon to add to the wide receiver room. But the Drew Locke thing is interesting to me because they made sure that he was included in the trade for Russell Wilson. You know, the the Broncos could have kept Drew Locke and made him Russell Wilson's backup. And they would have just had Russell Wilson as their new starting quarterback and Drew Locke would have been the backup and Drew Locke, the guy who was drafted there and played there, okay. At least it's, you know, right now I think the backup is Josh Johnson. A guy who's been on, what, 17 different NFL teams in, in his short career. Just keeps bouncing around from team to team as a backup, 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 backup. Best job in sports. I mean, the guy has certainly uh, made his trip to every stadium in the league, pretty much. <laughs> but I think the Broncos quarterback room would have been better if they kept Drew Locke. But they included him in the deal. Seattle wanted him. So you got a guy that you kind of wanted. He's young. He's played a little bit. Why not have him be your guy? You paid money to DK Metcalf. You're building up your wide receiver room. Get a quarterback that's going to throw him the football. Geno Smith had a rough go about it in New York with the Jets. There was a time where he showed some signs. He had, what was that, that one good game that he had? I think it was was Monday night football against the Falcons. He threw four touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, That was like his coming out party, I think. Let me look at the game logs here. Uh, Yeah, that was, look, I'm I'm a Jets fan. I remember this stuff, okay? I have a Geno Smith number seven jersey. His rookie year, uh, Monday, October 7th, against the Falcons, Geno Smith, let's look at the box score that day, Jets win 30-28. to And let's see, what did Gino do that day? Get some stats. 16 of 29, 199 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Three carries for 21 yards. All right, so he had three touchdown passes in that day. That was like his coming out party. Jets that year, they were 3-2 and two after that win. Everyone was excited. Gino Smith and the Jets. They finished the year 8-8. and eight. 
eight. And of course, don't go to the playoffs. But that was Geno Smith's really only time, you know, to have success as a starter. The next year, he starts 13 games for the Jets and he goes three and 10. And that's it. The Jets in 2015 were not his team anymore. They gave up on him after two years. And that's it. So you look at that team and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and takes over and the rest is history. Geno Smith, after several years in New York, one year with the Giants, was with the Chargers, and then goes to Seattle where he's been since 2020. I don't, I, I, neither of these guys is your future. But if there is one guy that has a chance, it's probably the 25-year-old Drew Locke that hasn't played much rather than the 31-year-old Geno Smith who has proven not to be the guy in New York. So I think maybe it's Geno for week one, but I think we will see I think we will see Drew Locke become the starter in Seattle. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This one is fun. Mitchell Trubisky is the favorite to be the starter in Pittsburgh. He's a veteran. He's played. He certainly has um, more experience than Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. But the NFL has changed over the past several years. I mean, this change has been coming for a while now. But the NFL used to be when you drafted a quarterback, you let that quarterback sit, you let that quarterback learn, you groom him, you train him, and eventually... They take over and become your starting quarterback. There were a couple of instances that changed the way people viewed highly drafted quarterbacks. You know, Andrew Luck came into the league and had success. RG3 came into the league and had success. Cam Newton. It's like these guys became the the exception to the rule. The rule was look at like the Aaron Rodgers model. Look at the model of, of, of... the way it's always been. You get drafted, you sit, and eventually you play. But those guys came in and had immediate success. And then it just just changed. The past decade or so, it seems, if you're drafted high, you're playing. Because teams have to make a decision on you sooner rather than later. Your window of opportunity now because of the financial commitment your window is shrunken so much you know look at the giants they they have not picked up they did not pick up the fifth year option on daniel jones the jets traded away sam darnold you only have two years three at the most to see what you can do as a young quarterback drafted highly Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback drafted off the board, 20th overall pick. How do the Steelers not play this guy early on and just say, we drafted you, 
We have faith in you. Let's see what you can do. To me, I would take a shot on Kenny Pickett to start week one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll go over this question and some other NFL topics coming up in a little football roundtable. Albert Nguyen, you follow on Twitter at Analytics Capper and Mackenzie Kramer, researcher for ESPN Stats and Info and The Daily Wager, will join me coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team with. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up now on our discounted football special and get access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on vcin, the Sports Betting Network. Time to have a football roundtable discussion. And for that, we welcome in Albert Nguyen. You follow on Twitter at Analytics Capper, as well as Mackenzie Kramer, researcher for ESPN Stats and Information and the Daily Wager on ESPN. Gentlemen, thanks so much for giving us a couple minutes. And Albert, let's start with you. The overs in the preseason, 13-3. and What's your reaction to the high scoring that we've seen here in the NFL preseason so far? Yes, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I think the biggest thing with the preseason, we're seeing um, people and players are are worried about injuries, man. I think they're playing a little more vanilla. Uh, we saw, you know, the scare with Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, good thing he's only out for a few weeks, knock on wood there. But I think because of the, the injuries, I think they're not going at 100%. And I think uh, defenses are taking taking control over. So I think offenses are 
getting much easier vanilla defensive schemes against them. And I think that's why we're seeing uh, the overs hitting. And like you said, man, 13-3 on the over. Every game that you teased on the over this this weekend won. <laughs> so you went undefeated. That's unbelievable when you looked at that factor. Yeah, 13-3. and three, And yeah, every single teaser combination uh, would have won there. Mackenzie, do you think that the books adjusting now for these preseason games and putting up higher totals will lead to regression and we're going to start seeing some unders again. Um, I totally could see them. Thank you for having me. I mean, last year at this time, it was all about the unders. In fact, overs are 14 and three at this preseason, as we mentioned, but this year, last year at this point, they were three and 14. So, you know, all, all preseason on daily wage were like, Oh, last year unders hit all the time and now it's over. So I don't really know how predictive this will really be going forward, but you talk about the increased totals this week, we have 14 totals in the forties. Last week, last year, last week we didn't have a single one. Like mm-hmm. The average total has increased over five points this week. So the books are definitely adjusting. I mean, part of that's also the fact that we're going to see the starters more this week, at least for most teams. I know, like I saw, I heard Kyle Shanahan saying that they'll play the starters in the first and third games, but most teams will be playing more this week. So I think it's going to kind of kind of regress more to the mean. But I don't really look at last week as as overly predictive when it comes to this week. Albert, how much information can you learn from these preseason games and take that into what you're going to be betting during the regular season? Yeah, that's a great question. I personally don't have a lot of positions during preseason from year to year. But one thing I do watch for when I look at these games is the cohesiveness of the offensive line. I think a lot of people underrate how important the five-man unit up front really is because that's going to be your conduit to your passing game, to your running game. So if you think that this, you know, Team X is going to have a solid offense, make sure that the offensive line, A, is healthy, and we saw some injuries last weekend already, and B, they act as a unit and they're cohesive. So that's really all I glean from it. From a numbers perspective, I don't really take too much account the preseason. Mackenzie, what about you? Anything that you watch in the preseason that maybe affects some of the prop bets that you're going to be playing during the regular season? I thought that was a great point about the offensive line cohesiveness, though. The main thing that I kind of look for is just the usage of a lot of the skill position players when it comes to fantasy, when it comes to props. Uh, the, the two things you look for are when the guys are playing, like, for example, some if they're playing in the first quarter and then coming out the rest of the game when the starters leave, that's usually a good sign for a rookie. When you're a guy like Traylon Burks and you're playing in the fourth quarter in a preseason game in the first game, that's probably not as good a sign. And you also want to look at the usage for these guys. Where are they getting used? Like, you know, like, for example, if you're looking for a sleeper running back and then they get a goal line carry in a preseason game, that's sometimes a pretty good sign going forward. Not, not always. Sometimes they just don't have that many active bodies, and that's why they're getting those those carries near the goal line. But in general, those are the couple of things that I like to look for in the preseason. All right, hear me out, boys. We know that when a backup quarterback takes over for a starter, we usually see like a third or fourth string wide receiver start to emerge, Right because those are the guys that are working together in practice. They develop that camaraderie. With certain teams that have these quarterback battles, Pittsburgh, Seattle, maybe Carolina, could we be pay, should we be paying attention to the players that are on the field with Drew Locke, the players that are on the field with Kenny Pickett, <coughs> George Pickens, so that when... <laughs> Those guys eventually become the starters because I do think Pickett will eventually start in Pittsburgh. I think Locke might be the guy in Seattle. Those wide receivers could be the players to target Albert. Does that make sense? 
That makes complete sense is a great point. It's not only during the game, Scott, it's in practice as well, right? Because the QB1 is going to play with the ones and twos. The backup QB is going to play with the threes and fours. And just naturally, they're going to have a better sync and better alignment with those backup wide receivers. So I agree with you. Uh, I listened to you on the on the previous segment. I don't think Pickett's going to come in until week three because uh, those first two weeks are, are really tough for the Steelers there. And I don't think they want to throw them to the Wolves. Um, but you're right. I, I will look at the, you know, the rookie or the young wide receivers that are coming up in the three to four spot because they've been playing with the backup or the rookie quarterback all training camp. McKenzie, has George Pickens risen up your uh, offensive rookie of the year uh, uh, rankings right now? I mean, he's rising up the odds boards. I saw he's the favorite at Circa earlier today. <laughs> I know he's moved up to, you know, 12 to 1, 14 to 1 range, which is a little bit rich for me. The rookie of the year market's real fascinating right now. I know at, at uh, Caesars, which was what ESPN uses on Daily Wager, I think that I counted 16 guys between 8 to 1 and 16 to 1. And then there's even a couple guys after 16 to 1 that I'm kind of interested in. But Pickens is definitely one of them. I mean, we, we know what his physical stature is. We, we know his physical attributes when, it, when he was coming out of Georgia. The question is, can he stay on the field and will he be productive when he's been on the field? And so far, so good this preseason for Pickens. And uh, I used to be able to get him in like the 16th, 17th, 18th, 18th round in some of these best ball drafts. And that's long gone. He's been going in like the 11th and 12th round uh, drafts I've been doing the last couple of days. Not a secret anymore, George Pickens for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Kenny Pickett is the favorite, along with Brees Hall of the Jets. Albert, does that surprise you? Brees Hall up there is the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year? It is surprising to me. The Jets offensively are in disarray. Um, I would say Zach Wilson getting hurt there is is not ideal, right? Suboptimal for that team. My pick on that board is actually Kenneth Walker. Um, I think he's going to have a solid second half of the year. We know Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. Mm -hmm. We saw that in the Super Bowl. We've seen it time after time and time and we know Rashad Penny who's a starting running back right now is injury prone with a you know long list of hint, hit, uh, long list of injury history there and then with the quarterback situation in Seattle whether it's Gino or like you said Drew Locke I think the one guy that's going to be electric the one guy that they can count on especially in the goal line situation is their rookie running back Kenneth Walker so I think that's my favorite pick at 12 to 1. McKenzie where's he going in fantasy drafts? Uh, he's been going, he's like the nine to 11th range. I don't mind the Kenneth Walker call. I, I like to go a little bit further down the odds board, just because kind of like what you said with Kenneth Walker, that his main path to winning a rookie of the year, or even having fantasy success in general is Rashad Penny getting injured. The nice thing when it comes to Walker is that Penny's more likely to get injured than some of these other running backs. I've been taking the chance on like, for example, I have Rashad white in a much longer number. He's 50 to one right now, which I still don't think is a bad bet. And there you're kind of hoping Leonard Fournette goes down or Rashad White just outplays him. Isaiah Spiller is kind of in that same group in terms of, you know, if the starter goes down in Austin Eckler, Spiller could be the guy. I'm starting to sour a little bit on Isaiah Spiller just because it looks like Joshua Kelly might actually be the RB2 there. I'll believe that when I see it, though I did kind of like him coming out of college. But uh, Rashad White, 50-1, to 1, I think that you get kind of this um, similar, uh, similar upside to Kenneth Walker that you're just counting on an injury for him to have his value. Fournette's less likely to get hurt, but he's also in a much better situation when it comes to fantasy. But I don't mind the Kenneth Walker pick at all. He's obviously a very talented running back, and we know Seattle wants to lean on their running back uh, when they get a chance. McKenzie, what about a flyer on Desmond Ritter if he eventually takes over from Marcus Mariota or if Marcus Mariota gets hurt in Atlanta? 
I mean, we know that voters like to vote for quarterbacks. I mean, we saw last year, Jamar Chase had one of the best rookie receiver <laughs> years of all time. And all year we're debating, is Mac Jones going to beat him just for having an, an average rookie year for a quarterback? So, you know, when it comes to all these awards, the tie goes to the quarterback. And, you know, kind of like what, what Albert was saying with, uh, with, with uh, Walker, it, Marcus Mariota's had a significant injury history in his career. And we know with the Falcons – that they're probably going to be in for a pretty rough season. So you have to think that they're going to turn to the rookie quarterback at some point this year. I absolutely think they will. Uh, we're joined by Mackenzie Kramer, Albert Nguyen. You follow Albert on Twitter at Analytics Capper. Mackenzie, ESPN Stats and Information if, uh, Researcher for the Daily Wager. A little football roundtable. When we come back, we're going to get into some division races and maybe some week one best bets coming up here. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead on v Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Back here on the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Joined in a little football roundtable discussion by Albert Nguyen. You follow on Twitter at Analytics Capper. Mackenzie Kramer from ESPN Stats and Information, researcher for The Daily Wager. And, you know, I just checked my draft board uh, for my serious fantasy football league that I'm in, guys. I have the eighth overall pick. So uh, I, I think I'm in a good spot because I'm going to get a decent player in the second round. But in the first round, Albert, I don't know who I'm going to take. It's probably Jamar Chase. McKenzie can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the seven, eight, nine could either be Diggs or Chase. And you won with the you won the championship with Diggs last year, yeah. right? So maybe you bring it back. Maybe I bring it back to try to combo, get like Josh Allen and Diggs and and, and pair them up together. McKenzie, is that like a strategy you usually go for? Do you like the quarterback wide receiver combo? Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you play best ball fantasy football, which is basically you draft your lineup and it's just it picks your best potential lineup every yep. week. You don't have to do any waivers or anything like that. Like that's been like the talk of the offseason among everybody who plays best ball is stacking more week 17 stacks, play a couple guys on, <laughs> on one team, another team that they're playing against. That way you can, you know, because basically a DFS lineup at that point. But and in terms of season long, I still think that's that can that's a, there's a strong correlation there. You know, if you think that the receiver is going to have a good year, then the quarterback's probably going to have a good year. So I, I think stacking is definitely a viable strategy and probably the optimal strategy when it comes to both season long, DFS, best ball, whatever, however you want to play fantasy football. So let's now take that into how we think the season is going to play out. So let's think, Albert, about the quarterback-wide receiver combos, an attractive one that is certainly people are talking about here in Las Vegas. Devontae Adams reuniting with his college quarterback in Derek Carr. What's your outlook on these two for the upcoming season? So I think the first thing I want to say, Devontae Adams, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver in the game from route running from his high balling, uh, the ballpoint, and just his overall, you know, physical stature and his skills and talent there. With that being said, I don't know if he's going to have an elite wide receiver year. On the other end, though, with Derek Carr and all of his weapons from Waller to Renfro to Josh Jacobs, I think Derek Carr is going to be a sleeper quarterback. He's right now projected to be in the mid ninth round, 10th round. And I think he's going to be up there uh, in terms of production in, you know, top five, top seven type quarterback. So I like Derek Carr in terms of total yards 
as well as uh, total uh, touchdown passes as well. So I'm high on Derek Carr this year. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit okay when it comes to Devontae Adams. Mackenzie, what about Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins in Minnesota now with the head coach who was the OC in L.A. and Kevin O'Connell where Cooper Cup put up his historic season last year? I mean, I think Justin Jefferson is a very strong chance to have the best receiving season in fantasy this year. In fact, you even look at the underdog ADP, the average draft position on there, one of the best ball sites. Jefferson's leapfrogged Cooper Cup as the top receiver going off. So mm. a lot of people are very high on Jefferson this year. I'm among them, too. The one issue I have with that stack is, and I like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback sleeper, as like a backup quarterback or a strong second quarterback if you have to start two quarterbacks. But I don't know if Cousins has the upside to be you know, a top eight, top 10 quarterback. So usually when Cousins is going off the board, I'm, I'm either, I either have my quarterback or I'm waiting a little bit longer to get a guy with a little bit more rushing upside. Uh, I do kind of like the Derek Carr call. He doesn't have that rushing upside either, but you know, his yards, his yardage totals have always been there. The question has always been, will he put enough touchdowns up to really be a strong fantasy quarterback? And with the addition of Devontae Adams, I think he's got a chance to be a top 10 guy for sure. Justin Jefferson, the favorite right now in the DraftKings Sportsbook to lead the league in receiving yards. You can get him at plus 800, which uh, seems to me like a really attractive bet uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, I'll give you one more here, Albert. Let's talk about uh, Jamar Chase, who had such an incredible year with Joe Burrow there in Cincinnati. Do these two run it back and have similar success this season? I think Joe Burrow is going to open it up a little more. We did see the emergence of T. Higgins in the playoffs and in the second half of the season. So I think he's going to spread it around more, and I think they're going to be a more well-rounded team. So I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to have the numbers in terms of volume, but as far as you know, pure talent, um, athleticism, Jamar Chase is up there with the best. To answer your question, though, I don't know if it's, he's a player that I would reach in fantasy. McKenzie, when it comes to the 49ers and Debo Samuel, obviously a polarizing conversation with the contract issues in the offseason, but Trey Lance, now his starting quarterback, when you're looking at the season outlook in terms of the prop market, do you like Debo to go over, under 950? Is he going to run more? Are you in on Trey Lance? What's your take on this whole 49ers situation? I think it's going to be really hard for Debo Samuel to run more than he did last year. Last year was something we saw that we we never see that real wide receiver, the rushing volume that Debo got last year. And Debo's even talked that he wants to run the ball a little bit less. My biggest issue with Debo Samuel, though, is that he has such an extensive injury history. I mean, before last year, he got hurt pretty much every year of his NFL career. He was even a little bit injury prone in college. So that's kind of my biggest issue when it comes to Debo, especially if they're going to keep giving him all that all those touches. He could easily be a strong injury risk. So I'm kind of passing on him if he's going super early in drafts. I know ESPN's ADP for him. We're doing our fantasy football marathon right now. He's the number 11 overall player, which to me is a little bit high. But if he's going toward the end of round two, I like him there. And I also like Trey Lance a lot in fantasy. I mean, to me, the name of the game at running at quarterback is get me the guys who rush the ball, especially if it's 25 points per pa 25 passing yards a point instead of 20. And Trey Lance, I mean, every time he plays, he runs the ball. So I think that he's got a significant amount of upside to be a top five quarterback in fantasy this year. Let's talk division bets. Albert, what's your favorite division bet right now on the board? I'm gonna say the Patriots to finish last in the AFC East. Ooh, I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna wow. go with a big juicy one there. I'm just very low on the Patriots, and it's not uh, it's not really um, the coaching, obviously, right? Bill Belichick, arguably the best coach of all time. 
but I think their vanilla offense and the way they, I think, I think the way they play is going to put them at a disadvantage in most games. And I think the AFC East is a lot better than people expect. Um, obviously, we have the Bills as Super Bowl contenders, but I'm also high on higher on the Jets than most, and also definitely high on on Tua and Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I kind of lean with you there. I like, do like the Dolphins to finish second in that division, and the Jets. I mean, I'm a Jet fan, and and I do love the over five and a half for them. And I think maybe the Wilson injury. Not so bad. Joe Flacco gets out there and turns Agreed. back the clock Agreed. a little bit. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson was kind of the worst quarterback in the NFL last season. Uh, Mackenzie, what is your favorite division bet right now on the board? I really like that Patriots bet. I've been kind of trying to do a similar thing as the AFC East in terms of, you know, like I'm a Jets fan as well. I think that there's this, I think the Jets have a chance to finish second in this division. And I think the Patriots, there's a, there's a chance the, the, you know, the, the bottom falls out of new England this year. I mean, they, they seem to be zagging when everybody else is zigging in the NFL, which is often a good thing. But, you know, is it really that good to be that run heavy this year in the NFL? So their offensive line taking some dings. I'm not sure if their defense is going to be at the same level. They lost J.C. Jackson. So I think New England has a chance to have a pretty bad year. Um, I, it's, it's hard to say that with a Bill Belichick coach team, but I really like that bet. And one other one I'm going to say is uh, the Panthers. I kind of like them to finish second or even first in the NFC South. I, I don't see that much of a difference between the Panthers and the Saints on paper. I think Baker Mayfield's a big upgrade on quarterback over what they had last year. And even Sam Darnold, it's hard for him to play worse than he did most of last year if he plays. I think they have a strong young defense with some talent out there. Offensively, Christian McCaffrey's healthy right now. DJ Moore, that's, that's one of the better running back receiver tandems in the NFL. I don't think there's a big difference between them and New Orleans. So if the Saints are going to be in the plus 350 range to win that division. Carolina's going to be double digits. I think that there's ways to take advantage of Carolina in that division. Albert, do you have any week one bets that you like on the board? Yeah, I think my favorite one is going to be the Panthers. Uh, Mackenzie just mentioned them. They're going to Cleveland. There's a lot of disarray, uh, a lot of question marks when it comes to the Cleveland quarterback position, right? We don't know what's going on there. Um, and then they just lost a couple you know, key members of their offensive line, which is going to hurt that rushing attack. I do like Nick Chubb. But without, you know, their center, or I think as a, a guard, I think that's going to be a big blow. So I do like the Panthers plus one going into Cleveland, or I think they're at home. They're hosting Carolina. Yep. I like the Panthers. Mackenzie, how about you? Any play for week one? I like to try to attack underdogs when I can in week one. They've cashed at 53% right in the last 20 years. My favorite dog on the board right now is the Giants against the Titans. Bang! Not super high in this Giants Let's team. Let's go. We were talking about it between, between <laughs> the, the hits here, but I'm super down on this Titans team. I'm down on Derrick mm -hmm. Henry in fantasy. I think the Titans could finish last in that division or, thir or third in that division. I think those are strong bets. I am down on everything Titans this season. The only thing that scares me about fading Tennessee is Mike Vrabel has just gone over his win total every single year. Cash to coach of the year ticket for me last year, so I'm a little scared of Vrabel, but that team on paper is just really ugly. Love that bet. Love the Panthers bet because I got it at three and a half about seven months ago or whenever the lines <laughs> came out. Uh, you know, hopefully my uh, guy still honors that wink, wink, if you know where I placed that bet, Albert. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for the football conversation as the round table rolls on. Uh, Albert Nguyen, you follow him on Twitter at Analytics Capper. Mackenzie Kramer does a great job for ESPN's Daily Wager, researcher for ESPN Stats and Information. You follow him. What is it? Mac Nova, right? The Villanova a guy over there uh has got his uh, <laughs> got his uh twitter handle there gentlemen thank you so much best of luck to you upcoming here with your football bets and we'll get you back on real soon 
Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, thank you. There he is. There they are. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. CityCast, designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C., Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. My thanks to Albert Nguyen, uh, analytics capper on Twitter, and uh, Mackenzie Kramer uh, from ESPN's Daily Wager, stats and info researcher, does a great job for them, uh, for joining me on the football roundtable. And, you know, a couple of interesting plays that were thrown out there, including... um, you know, Albert threw out the Patriots to finish last in the AFC East, which I think is just fascinating. You know, I'm looking here, the odds on, on DraftKings to make the playoffs on the Patriots, the no is minus 200. So just think about that. Minus 200 for them to make the playoffs. Uh, in terms of their regular season wins, the Patriots right now, eight and a half. The under is minus 125. The alternate win total on the Patriots, if you want to go under seven and a half, you can get plus 180 on the under seven and a half. You can go under nine and a half, but you lay minus 220. Uh, let's take a look at the Patriots' schedule here and really think about this. How bad could this team be? Dolphins in week one. Steelers. You know, the Steelers, right? Ravens, Packers, Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets, Colts, Jets again, Vikings, Bills, Cardinals, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills. All right, I get it. The division games are going to be tough because the Bills are the team to beat in that division and the Dolphins are 
a better team consider right now, considered to be the better team. Here's where we stand on the lines. Patriots are two-and-a-half-point dogs in week one. They're a one-point favorite, though, in week, in week two. So let's just give them the wins in the games that they're favored in. Now, I understand these lines can change, but let's just go through their schedule and give them the win. So that's one win. They're a pick em against the Ravens. Mm, uh, all right, we're not going to give them a win in a pick em. We're only going to give them a win in the games that they're favored. So right now I got one win for the Patriots. Five-point dogs against the Packers. Six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Lions, so we'll give them two wins. Six-point favorites against the Bears, so that's three wins. Two-and-a-half against the Jets, that's four wins. Pick them against the Colts, not going to touch that. Six-point favorites against the Jets, that's five wins. Uh, Point-and-a-half dog to the Vikings. Three-point dog to the Bills. Two-and-a-half dog to the Cardinals. Three-point dog to the Raiders. One-point dog to the Bengals. Point-and-a-half favorite on January 1st against the Dolphins. That's six wins. Seven-point dog to the Bills, and that's it. I think the only game that we're missing for the Patriots is that Browns game uh, at Cleveland. And one, two, three, four, five. So yeah, I guess they don't know who's going to be quarterback then. But in Cleveland, they'd probably be a dog. They're only favored in six games. And there are two games that are a pick so if you give them the split of the pick'em games, like give them a win in one of the pick'em games, give them a loss in the other pick'em game. That's seven wins on the year for the New England Patriots. Right now, their current win total is at eight and a half. The under is juiced, or you can go with an alternate win total and take them under seven and a half. Again, the regular season wins for the Patriots, eight and a half minus 125 to the under. The alternate win total for the Patriots, seven and a half with the under at plus 180. It's a tough decision because are you betting on a Bill Belichick team to go, you know, Seven and ten this year, but just based on the schedule, just based on the schedule, they are favored in six games this year. That's it. And they're a pick them in two games, and those lines could flip. One of those games is at home against the Ravens, week three. It's a pick them. You know, if the Ravens start out the season 2-0 and and the Patriots are 1-1, maybe Baltimore's favored in that game. The other pick game is at home against the Colts. At that point in the season, maybe the Colts are looking great with Matt Ryan at quarterback. And then the Patriots might be home dogs there. I don't know. But it seems like this is a team that should go under the 8.5 win total. Eight might be the high watermark for them. But if you want to bet at a plus money price that they're going to finish with only seven wins, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting. So, yeah, Patriots to finish uh, last place. And then McKenzie was talking about the Carolina Panthers. You know, Carolina this year is an interesting team because of Baker Mayfield. 
I think that Baker's going to be the starting quarterback for this team. The win total currently on the Panthers is at six and a half. That is a very low total. The alternate win total on the Panthers, there is no alternate win total on the Panthers. Six and a half is just low enough. For the Panthers, though, might be a tough go. Schedule, Browns, Giants, Saints, Cardinals, 49ers, Rams, Bucks, Falcons, Bengals, Falcons, Ravens, Broncos, Seahawks, Steelers, Lions, Bucks, Saints. So, you know what? There are winnable games on that schedule, which is, like, surprising that there's such, you know, only six and a half wins. But, again, let's do the same practice. One-point dogs to the Browns in week one. Maybe they steal it. Maybe they don't. I'm only going to give them wins in the games that they're favored in right now. So, Browns, they're a dog. Giants, week two, they're a dog. Saints, they're a dog at home. Only one point, but they're a dog. Same thing with the Cardinals. Only a point and a half. And a lot of these spreads are so low, which is why this team can go in either direction. But so far, they are an underdog in every game. They are a favorite on the road in Atlanta. That's the first time this season. So we're going to give them the win there. They're a favorite at home against Atlanta. So we'll give them two wins. And... That is about it, folks. Oh, they're a favorite at home right now against the Steelers, so that's three wins. They're a favorite at home against the Lions, so we'll give them four wins, although at that point maybe people are you know, going to bet the Lions. Uh, that's it. So just based on the spreads, four wins. But let me tell you something. Some of those games where they're an underdog – I like them to win. And some of those games where they're a favorite, I like them to lose. You know, a lot of these spreads, they have one, two, three, let's see, four, four, still on four, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine, Nine, ten. They have ten games that are currently lined at under a field goal. Whether they're the dog or the favorite. Ten games on their schedule are currently spreads of under a field goal. Let that sink in. This is a team that a couple of bounces of the football here or there, they could be very, very bad and go under the six wins easily. Or... They could be good and maybe win nine games. Football is a funny, funny game. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we're going to get back into Major League Baseball. Peter Apple, co-founder of Just BB Media, and uh, it will join me on the program. We'll talk a little baseball, who he likes uh, in the futures market. Who would he back moving forward for the rest of the season? And we'll talk about some of the playoff races as well, the wild card teams and both the American League and National League Central Divisions, which are the only division races right now in Major League Baseball. Once again, I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network at Live. This is The Look Ahead. 
here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.